welcome to Interfaith Talk Radio, being brought to you by Dr. Pat Worldwide, here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM, and streaming worldwide on the internet at interfaithtalkradio.com. We are sharing an expanding dialogue on interfaith understanding and our shared quest for a spiritual celebration. We are a rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Christian pastor. I am Rabbi Ted Falcon from Beit Aleph Meditative Synagogue. I'm Brother Jamal Rahman from Interfaith Community Church. And we have Pastor Don McKenzie on the telephone. Don, are you there? I'm here. Okay, so tell them who you are. I'm Pastor Don McKenzie from University Congregational United Church of Christ in Seattle. That's great. And Don is calling us from his home where he continues to recuperate from a surgery he underwent now two weeks ago. Right. So we're glad to have you with us, Don, and we will talk together in a few moments. Okay. I want to let the audience know that we are here together every Monday afternoon at 5 o'clock sharing a dialogue into which listeners are invited to bring your questions and your concerns. So if anybody's got their pen or pencil ready and would like to note the telephone number in case you feel so moved during our discussions, our telephone number is 425 373 5527 425-373-5527. And for those outside the 425 area code, you can call toll-free anywhere in Western Washington at 888-298-5569. And you're always welcome to join us with your questions and with your concerns. <clears throat> last, uh, I guess, last week we had members of Ancient Sounds on the show, and we we be, we begin again with. Um, Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but that was two weeks ago. That was two weeks That's ago. That's right. Yes. yes. What happened last week? Well, last week you and Jamal had a great conversation here, and we had Pastor Don on the phone once again. Okay. So two weeks ago we had Ancient Sounds. So what is time? Time is curved anyhow. <laughs> It's it not is, linear. and <laughs> in my brain right now, you know, I came back, <clears throat> I guess I got home about midnight Seattle time last night, or this morning, from a weekend being scholar-in-residence at a congregation in New Jersey, and according to New Jersey time that I was just getting accustomed to, I arrived home at 3 a.m., mm. so... If Pastor Don was a little loopy coming out of anesthetic a few weeks ago, I may be a little loopy coming out of this particular time warp today. No, but you're speaking the truth. We are actually um, echoing and reflecting ancient sounds anyhow. There you go. Uh, in words. This week and next week, one of our focuses is going to be on the constructive and the destructive aspects of religion looking at some of the current voices that are expressing deep concern about religion as a destructive 
as a harmful, as a violent force in our culture and in our world. And from time to time during these weeks, uh, we're also going to talk about some of the mystical aspects of our own traditions in the Kabbalah in Judaism and in the Sufi tradition of Islam. And I was going to say, may this conversation always continue, otherwise we'd both be out of a job. Absolutely. So, but first, we want to welcome Pastor Don to the conversation and ask you to let us know how you're doing. Well, thanks, Ted and Jamal. It's, uh, it's been an amazing experience. Last week I said that I felt I was being carried by prayer, by by my congregation, by your congregations, by other folks, and of course families and friends and so forth, and it's a great blessing to feel that. Um, I don't think I've ever been in that situation before where I've been uh, so felt so blessed by prayer and so forth, and that has permitted me to have the space, uh, spiritual space, to work on the healing, and it's amazing uh, the energy it takes to heal. You were saying this a few minutes ago, Ted. Um, and um, I'm also, I've had time to realize, I mean, time to just think and pray, time to realize what a blessing it is to have the space, but have it in a way that is carried by prayer rather than simply, in other words, have it be solitude instead of loneliness. And I, I think... Uh, of people who are alone in moments like this, and I, I uh, can't imagine how difficult that would be uh, to try to heal and be lonely at the same time. You know, one of the interesting things is that you've spent the better part of your life being present for others who are engaged in their processes of healing, making sure that they're not alone. Yeah. And it's always... Well, it's often awkward to be on the other side of that of that conversation, you know, to be the one who suddenly finds himself receiving those energies and in need of those energies. Right. I mean, it, it's uh, I've I've visited people in the hospital hundreds, if not thousands, of times, and to be the patient for the first time ever. Yeah. Uh, and to have a visit from my colleagues, uh, Catherine Foote and Peter Ilgen Fritz, the day after my surgery, um, was an amazing and important experience for me to actually feel the right. feeling of vulnerability and the need for companionship and so forth. Uh, of course, my wife Judy and daughter Mary were there too, but just to have my colleagues come in that role of pastor and not be the pastor myself, <laughs> it was good. It right. was um Again, it, it contributed to that feeling of being blessed and um, uh, to the energy of healing. It's also be reassuring, Brother Don, to know what a beautiful circle of love you have. It is. It's enormously reassuring. I mean, to know how many people love you and care for you and pray for you. It's incredible. I'll love so, you praised. Yeah, I don't know if you feel strong enough to stay with us for a few minutes, but um, if you do, just for a moment, I'm... Like part of what you're talking about is uh, like a benefits of a spiritual community, the benefits of a faith, and part of what you're talking about is the benefits of a community. Right. And a community, of course, is possible with or without a focus on a specific focus on faith or spirituality or religion. Right. And, but in your 
experience through this surgery, I assume that you have discovered dimensions of your own faith and of your own religion which have been helpful to you. I have. I mean, it's it's been an overwhelming... Um, it's funny, coming up out of the experience of anesthesia was um, more complex than I imagined it would be. I think it was probably several days before I was beginning to be lucid again, and yet within that, I was feeling this sense of being carried, as I told you last week, right. and um, the the depth of um, a feeling of blessing by the community, by my community, University Congregational United Church of Christ, but also, as I said before, by your communities, by communities where I've been before, Hanover, New Hampshire, and so forth. Um, I just... The, the the I have reached a deeper sense of the importance, the absolute importance of community, yeah. of oneness, of being in a place where we can help each other, because we surely need to do that. Mm. People need help, and people need to help. Mm. Right. And I also suspect, Brother Donna, that in your own prayers, they have a very uh, deep sense of what is called increased necessity. Yes. permeated by a sense of uh, a greater devotion, a greater fervency, uh, and a greater beauty. Yes. Yes, it's been, uh, you know, having the space and the time to think and pray um, in a much deeper way, a, a way that's deeper than I normally get to have, uh, has been a great blessing and has helped me enormously. So I don't want to say that we have expectations that you'll come back onto the show with a far deeper presence than ever before. I mean, we won't demand too much from you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we expect a halo around your head for sure, Brother Don. Well, there was a halo already. Now now it's, it's going to just be an effulgence, whoa, whoa. a radiance <laughs> that really will have to shield our eyes. <laughs> You know, you, it, it hurts to laugh. I want you to know It that. still hurts to laugh? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Not well, we're glad to help you out. <laughs> anytime, anytime you can count on your friends. Thank you. And um, we send you, as always, our love and our blessings, all the support of our communities and from all of us for your continued healing. Thank you. And it's just wonderful to talk to you, and we are looking forward to sharing your presence back on the air as well as in our regular meetings. Right. So we're going to take a break, and together we will get to listen to some of the folks who allow us to speak with you each week. This is Interfaith Talk Radio, and we'll be right back. University Congregational United Church of Christ, located at 4515 16th Avenue Northeast, right across from the Burke Museum, wants you to know that it is a liberal and inclusive congregation waiting to welcome you to worship, education, fellowship, and service. We need your help to say yes to God's purposes. For more information, log on to universityucc.org. That's universityucc.org. Or call 206-524-2322. That's 206-524-2322. Can changing what you think really change your life? Tune in to the Dr. Pat Show to learn how intentional living and the power of affirmations can change your life. 
Kristen Marie Sherline, founder of Affirmagy, will share her story, her company, and advice on how to live intentionally and design a life you love. More information about Affirmagy, log on to Affirmagy.com. That's Affirmagy.com. Hey, Julie, where have you been? Benny, I just returned from a fabulous seminar with Karen Ramsey, learning about how my relationship to money is holding me back from living the life I want. Well, I can't seem to save enough money to contribute to an IRA these days, but I think, you know, it's just too late to start now. Well, Benny, I see that you just bought yourself a latte this morning. And how many times a day do you do that? Uh, well, I'd say like two or three times a day, but I mean, seriously, what's your point, Julie? If you save the money you spend on just one latte a day, you'd easily be able to contribute $1,400 dollars a year to your IRA. No kidding. <laughs> I never thought about it that way. Well, Karen Ramsey says it's never too late to start no matter where you are. And the sooner you start, the better. Well, you know, that's fine with people with money, but how can someone like me afford financial advice from someone like Karen Ramsey? Well, you don't need to be wealthy to get excellent financial advice. In fact, why not tune into her new show beginning October 12th and learn about the myths about money that keep us from living the lives we're meant to live. And visit her on the web at caringmoney.com. That's caring money.com. Una is the ancient spiritual teachings of the people of Hawaii. Una says, Aohe pau, koike i kohalau. Think not that all wisdom is in your school. It's important to remember that no matter who you are or where you come from, there's always more to learn. Call 800-800-MIND or go to huna.com to learn about the March 10th through 18th Huna event in Kona, Hawaii. Mention the Dr. Pat Show when you call. The Huna Workshop and the Empowerment Partnership. Whatever you think you are, you're more than that. Talk radio with a difference. Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And welcome back to Interfaith Talk Radio. I'm Rabbi Ted Falcon of Beit Aleph Meditative Synagogue. I'm Brother Jamal Rahman from Interfaith Community Church in Seattle. And our partner uh, on this show, Pastor Don McKenzie, we just heard from him during the last segment, and we will be talking to him again next week. He'll probably be back with us full, you know, for the full hour in two weeks from today. And we look forward to that. Just to remind you that Brother Jamal and I are participating in a retreat about an hour north of Seattle over the weekend of February 22nd to 25th, starting that Thursday afternoon and ending Sunday at noon, uh, after, well, at lunch. We're using the facilities of Camp Brotherhood, focusing on the quest for spiritual identity. And you can find information about that retreat and others that we do at spiritualcommunity.org www.spiritualcommunity.org And one of the topics that we wanted to discuss today, and again I want to repeat that you're welcome to join us in this conversation if you feel so inclined. One of the conversations has to do with how, what kind of power, what kind of force religion is in our current world. Brother Jamal and Pastor Don and I are focused on the spiritual celebrations that awaken within each of our faiths. And we seek to acknowledge each authentic spiritual path as an avenue to a shared universal. And it's our belief that 
when we awaken to that universal, an ethic of love and compassion opens with great clarity. And in very natural ways, we are led to thoughts, to feelings, and to actions which heal, heal relationships, heal the broken parts of ourselves, heal the broken parts of our world. And so we tend to see in the highest celebration of religion and in spirituality, one of the ways we can impact the world. But there are those who see religion in a very, very different way. Some of those uh, who see it differently are involved in religion, and some of those who see it differently are not involved in religion, looking from the outside. I was looking at some material from uh, a man named Sam Harris, who wrote a book called The End of Faith. That was published in 2004. His current book is A Letter to a Christian Nation, published in 2006. Also looking at a book by Richard Dawkins called The God Delusion. You know, these are writers of substance. Dawkins is an evolutionary biologist. These are writers of substance who are looking at the world and noting that religion hasn't really led to a greater loving environment. Just to share a quote from uh, Sam Harris. He says, our situation is this. Most of the people in this world believe that the creator of the universe has written a book. We have the misfortune of having many such books on hand, each making an exclusive claim as to its infallibility. People tend to organize themselves into factions according to which of these incompatible claims they accept. Rather than on the basis of language, skin color, location of birth, or any other criterion of tribalism. Each of these texts urges its readers to adopt a variety of beliefs and practices, some of which are benign, many of which are not. All are in perverse agreement on one point of fundamental importance, however. Respect for other faiths or for the views of unbelievers is not an attitude that God endorses. While all faiths have been touched here and there by the spirit of ecumenism, the central tenet of every religious tradition is that all others are mere repositories of error or, at best, dangerously incomplete. Intolerance is thus intrinsic to every creed. Once a person believes, really believes, that certain ideas can lead to eternal happiness or to its antithesis, he cannot tolerate the possibility that the people he loves might be led astray by the blandishments of unbelievers. Certainly, certainty about the next life is simply incompatible with tolerance in this one. 
There's a lot there. There's a, there's a lot. Actually, you know, as I was uh, listen, listening to what you were saying, Brother Ted, I could not disagree as a person of religion, as one who really fervently believes in spirituality. I totally agree. Well, let me just um, say that if we do away with religion, because of all those points you mentioned, let's take the example of the Soviet Union or, you know, people in the... In the uh, in that particular block saying we don't believe in religion. Did that make them better human beings? I think people veer and they tend towards creating a religion uh, by a different name, uh, by a different nomenclature. Uh, it can become, the state can become a religion. But then what you're saying is that there is something in the human psyche or something in the way we are built that draws us toward beliefs that shut certain other beliefs out and that support our own beliefs. What I'm saying is actually that when people t criticize religion, I mean, they have uh, actual uh, validity, but when they start speaking and one digs deeper, one realizes it's not really religion speaking, it's one's ego speaking. And here comes the problem. But within each human being is this draw for a connection with mystery. For example, this uh, beloved 9th century uh, female saint in Islam, Rabia, she says, and she symbolizes every single human being, she says, there is a disease in my breast no doctor can cure. Only union with the friend can cure it. Right. So that'll remain, uh, no matter what we call it. Because right, but once somebody says... Only our God yes. can cure that pain yes. in your breast. Yes. And if anybody wants to have the pain in their breast cured, they're yes. going to have to go to yes. this God. Yes. And any other God is just, or any other tradition or any other way, is just a fake. You yes. Gotta, you know, and so, and, and the fake ones are so dangerous. It might be better if we killed them. But I'm saying that at the core of every religion, I mean, at the authentic core of every religion, is really compassion and love. As Christians, do Christians really follow the teachings of Jesus? Well, let me go to Islam. As a Muslim, do I really follow the teachings of the Quran? Because if I really do, uh, then I think that I'll have to go beyond my ego, or uh, as we mentioned before, partner with my ego, and get to the root which is really loving compassion and love but it's easier for me to focus more on you know rather than working on myself focus on bringing you to my point of view and that is a disease that is a problem and that is a source of many of our ills no doubt to me if i say islam is the only religion that is a path to god i call it actually i would say personally in my opinion that, that would be spiritual racism if anybody from any religion says this is the only way, not only is the best way, but the only way, that to me is racism, spiritual racism. Because if it is the best, you would simply live it. Right. Sam Harris makes the point in uh, more clearly than I've read anybody, criticizing not only religious extremists, but also religious moderates. Mm -hmm. Because he said, says what moderates tend to do is want to have tolerance for all religious viewpoints. But Harris says that some religious viewpoints should not be tolerated. 
like a religious viewpoint that calls for mutilation of women or subjugation of women or a religious viewpoint that calls for inhumane treatment of others, he feels should not be tolerated. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a tendency to get to that place of of tolerance where there then there are no rules at all. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think that's okay. No, absolutely not. But if a religion does talk about espousing violence or subjugation of women or not treating uh, people uh, equally in the sense of opportunities or rights or and the right voice, for sure, uh, that would be, as you mentioned, that would be unethical. Once, once we open ourselves to the beauty and wisdom of traditions and go deep into that, there does arise from that, as you mentioned, a shared ethical uh, understanding. And then the question always is, how does one deal with those for, who are involved in religions which do not experience mm -hmm. a shared ethical understanding? Those aspects of all our traditions that's, that somehow identify themselves as the real human beings, mm -hmm. that identify themselves as the real chosen ones, and in one way or another, to one degree or another, dehumanize mm -hmm. the other. We have to admit every single religion has, as we mentioned before, as Gandhi said, has truths and untruths. We cannot deny that. There are verses of awkwardness in every single holy book which are open to uh, misinterpretation and, uh, uh, and actually used by extremists or liberals. We have to squarely face that. And look at that and see the historical context, the scriptural context, and really go deep into that, definitely. So one of the questions is, and we will focus on this a little more in the next segment of the show, is there something behind or beneath our belief in our own traditions or our interpretation of our own traditions that needs to be identified in itself that allows us to make the interpretations and to acknowledge that part the parts that are loving and the parts that are not good question this is a continuing dialogue on interfaith spirituality and understanding we'll take a break for our sponsors and we'll be right back I don't know what's wrong with me. I just can't seem to get over this. Change results in loss. With death in the family, divorce, or major illness, there's going to be grief. When you're feeling overwhelmed or like you just can't get through it alone, you can heal through grief counseling. You can call... Nearly 10 years, Whole Life Counseling has been a safe place to come to peace with life changes. Call 206-683-1561 or see my website at wholelifedesigns.com. Called the Oprah of Radio by her listeners. Award-winning host Dr. Pat Basile is blowing the doors off of traditional talk radio. Get ready for an energizing delivery and powerful interviews with leaders in the field of human potential. Dr. Pat's fresh new perspective on living life full out has catapulted her show to the top of talk radio. Tune in and Dr. Pat will help you thrive instead of merely survive. Visit thedrpatshow.com. That's T-H-E-D-R-Patshow.com for listening times in your area. This is Dr. Scott Lynch of Crown Hill Chiropractic with your Maximized Living Tip of the Week. Full range body movements stimulate the feel-good pathways while reducing physical and emotional stress. 
These movements should be performed two times per week to maximize your health potential. Email us at info at crownhillchiropractic.com or call us at 206-782-8800 for your full range body movement program. Is the ancient spiritual teachings of the people of Hawaii. Most people who study Huna want to know more about themselves and the world around them. If you are interested in a more spiritual view of the world and want to discover a whole new universe around you, then Huna is for you. Call 800-800-MIND or go to Huna.com to learn about the March 10th through 18th Huna event in Kona, Hawaii. Mention the Dr. Pacho when you call the Empowerment Partnership. Whatever you think you are, You're more than that. Click the show's page on 1150kknw.com for the scoop on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. And welcome back. This is Interfaith Talk Radio. We're with you every Monday from 5 to 6 on KKNW, 1150 AM and streaming on the internet at interfaithtalkradio.com. And you can go to that website to find out more about us, to get an idea of some of the other programs in which we are involved. You can also go there to leave us comments or questions that you would like us to focus on during uh, our time on the radio. So we welcome your participation, whether it's by calling in or by leaving us messages on the web. I'm Rabbi Ted Falcon from Beit Aleph Meditative Synagogue. I'm Brother Jamal Rahman from Interfaith Community Church. And we are holding the fort while Pastor Don McKenzie, the third of the three Interfaith Amigos, is healing from surgery he uh, experienced two weeks ago. We had him on the phone at the beginning of this show and will again uh, beginning of next week's show. Perhaps even a little bit more. A little longer next week. And we're talking about religion as a constructive and as a destructive force in our personal lives, in our communal lives, and in our world. And we ended last segment with Uh, kind of a question that I'm wondering about, whether there is a criterion that is actually that we hold that's deeper than our religious texts or traditions. It may even have been stimulated by those traditions or by those texts, but it then becomes a reference point from which to evaluate not only our own traditions, not only our own texts, but the traditions of others. Does that make sense? Sure. To me, it really boils down to something that really is basic. Uh, Unless I have an inner spaciousness within me, it doesn't matter what the text says or does not say. Unless I, as a human being, as an individual, I have done the work of creating that inner spaciousness, which has the space to embrace, you know, what really is paradoxical in this world. It's a bewildering paradox, even our own existence. 
unless I have a repeated inner spaciousness within me to be able to embrace those differences, that diversity, the bewildering paradoxes, it doesn't matter what the scriptures say. It doesn't matter what non-scriptures say. Okay, but so the question is, huh. where where did you like that inner spaciousness is yes. part of you? Yes, you came with it. One, you, no, 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 no. You have to develop that. You have to build on that. You have to deepen that and expand that. <coughs> do you have to? Do, w would you say you have to discover it, or you have to create it? I think we have to follow what, for example, in. Uh, I'm sure every single sacred book says to become a more deepened, complete individual as a human being. Right. Without that, all these outer uh, directions and insights will just bounce off. Right. I I agree with the end, but yes. I'm not sure I'm clear. I, th I think I see it a little differently at the beginning. Namely, uh, I look at spiritual learning as a different a learning that is qualitatively different from every other learning that we engage all other learning we go to a book we go to a teacher and we take it in if we take it in well enough we pass the course or we go on to the next book or we become teachers ourselves spiritual learning is the one learning that comes not from the outside in but from the inside out it is so it is a, a depth of awareness that we already have within us and so it can't be given it can be appreciated rediscovered remembered celebrated and what we need are contexts environments in which that spiritual sensibility that is already part of the organism can be nurtured nourished recognized, celebrated, shared, supported. And that in the the best of all our traditions does exactly that. You know, it says to us, you're already whole. And we can give you poetry, we can give you stories, but what all of it is to help you remember who you but are. It does say you're whole, but to connect with that, you have to do some inner work. There are veils between us and that wholeness. And that's, to me, every single book says, if I read that deeply enough, it says just two things. It says, remove those veils by doing that inner work and be of service to others. Love your neighbor. Now, that involves, as you always have said, involves a lot of work. And every book has the directions, has the guidance to do, to do that work. But I'd rather work on you than on myself. I've noticed that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> because it's much easier. Because this work is so inconvenient. And I do, un I do appreciate it. Yes. You've been helping me a lot. <laughs> Terrific. For example, the, in the Islamic tradition, it says, continuously do two things. Uh, as Prophet Muhammad said, know thyself and you shall know thy Lord. And die before you die. Die to your ego before you die, before you die a physical death. But am I doing that continuously? Not really. It's very, very inconvenient. I'd rather criticize. I'd rather uh, lay claims to exclusivity. I'd rather say you are wrong. So my point is, yes, we are whole, but we need to do work to reach there. Okay, so I would put it in slightly different language. I think 
and that is that we learn as we grow to develop yes. a separate identity. And we need that separate identity. We need that ego in order to function in this world in order to, and in order to ensure our individual biological survival. Except nobody told us that that's not all of who we are. You know, we get so involved in creating that persona, that personality. We get so involved in finding our role in the world, our limitations in the world, our abilities in the world, that we we kind of slip into it and identify as if that's the all of who we are. Mm -hmm. And the more that we are, the all that we are underlying or transcending, depending on whether you want to go up or down, right. in or out, uh -huh. um, that ego identity, yes. we always were. It's not something that's given to us by the work we do. Mm -hmm. It's something that is revealed mm -hmm. by the work we do, and that's part of how we know it's true. Because when we meet that part of ourselves, it is so obviously authentic that there is an inner joy that awakens. You know, when we meet the integrity of our being, there is a yesness that is nobody outside has to say, oh, look, you're doing it right. Oh, good, I'll give you a good grade. It's irrelevant because we know. And what starts to express at that point is a greater capacity to love, a greater capacity to see that integrity and that divinity in each other. So it's a journey. It's a journey. It like is a like journey. the Quran says, you have ego and there are three stages and each stage asks you to transform your ego. So in a sense, you are partnering with your ego. But it is work. It is inner work. I love the uh, insights in Taoism, for example. It says, you know, when you lose your sense of awe and wonder, that's when you turn to religion. When you no longer believe in yourselves, that's when you turn to authorities. And that, I think, is our plight. It's, and it's very difficult to know when we have lost that ability or that willingness to trust ourselves. Mm -hmm. One of the difficulties in our culture is that we are continually bombarded with information that tells us we can't trust ourselves. And we're bombarded with information that tells us we're not okay. Mm -hmm. We would be okay if we bought this product or this car. We would be okay if we looked like this, if this was our shape or if this was our clothes, then we'd be okay. But left to our own devices, we're not okay. That's why every tradition says, build a relationship with your inner teacher. And that is, again, very fundamental, very, yeah, very necessary. Absolutely. And that, again, requires work. It, it, it requires work. The only thing I'm saying is we already come with our inner teacher. <laughs> yes. And and we, have to, we have to connect with it. Though. We have to connect with yes. it. I totally agree. We've got a caller, and uh, her name is actually familiar to us. Pat Hoagland. Pat, you're on the phone. Hi, thanks. Hi, Pat. Welcome to the show. Hello, hey, Pat. I just wanted to join the conversation. Great. Great. Um, I think the thing that came up for me when you were first speaking about, you know, those elements of religion that we get into a discussion of who's better than whom or, or whatever, it seems to me a lot of that just emanates from a need for power, the feeling of feeling powerless somehow. And so if I can project that I have, you know, the, the God 
of everyone on my side, then it gives me a place to be able to have greater influence or um, I, I can feel more powerful about my opinions or my uh, the way I think the world ought to work or uh, how people should behave or or whatever, rather than going to a place of um, love and compassion and understanding, listening, um, because I, I get the sense that I will be able to exert more influence that way, rather than coming from a place of love. Uh, I certainly agree. And then, see, see, once you start doing the inner work, and one begins to have compassion and love for oneself, that begins to change. Right. That great driving force to have power. In fact, you know, in fact, the study of all the religions say that when women are subjugated, as is the case actually in all the traditions, it's really because of the need of men to dominate. Right. Because of patriarchal society, tradition, tribal uh, culture, uh, that is the core problem. So, yes, psychologically that is true. The need to dominate, the need to overpower. And that comes from a lack of love, actually, a lack of compassion. And this is where, if you look deep into every religion, it provides the guidelines to be able to right. build that. But again, that is inner work. Right, and so we do the spiritual bypassing. Right. You know, rather than doing the spiritual work, the inner work. Yes, we, we take on this cloak of, well, I'll just change everything to, to, so it's in, in conformity with my belief system or right. the way I want to see the world. And True. then I don't have to change anything about myself. Or very little. I'd rather work on you. <laughs> <laughs> it's easier. Well, see, here we are. It's Brother Jamal's working on me and on you. And don't, and don't forget your checkbooks. <laughs> I appreciate well, it's, that. It's hard work. <laughs> it's not. It's not an easy thing um, to to do. And and you have. I think you have to find um, an environment too that supports you. Absolutely, community and spiritual teachers. I think are essential. Exactly. Family, um, exactly. very essential. Right, and people that are on the path. Right, people who also are wanting uh, that same um, inner knowing. People who love the truth, as we always say. People who love the truth, <laughs> right. Yeah. But I think if we look back in history and, you know, today, it's certainly been that power play mm -hmm. that um, seems to have caused so much difficulty. I mean, you know, you think about the Inquisition and, um, I mean, so many different things that went that have gone on. The Crusades, you know, I mean, the, whole, the Holocaust, mm -hmm. the whole thing is all about trying to use our power. Right. To force the world to look the way we project it to right. be. Right. Except while we're engaged in that activity, we don't at all perceive it that way. We can perceive ourselves engaged in a holy pursuit. Exactly. And then others can say, hey, look, if you're <clears throat> engaged in a holy pursuit, how come it hurts so many people? Right. But and so then you get into the whole denial thing. And it's not, I mean, denial isn't, I, I'm... I, I, I'm not going to admit that I, I, I don't see it the right way. It's that we don't see it at all. That's so true, uh, Pat. God wants me to do it. But, and thank you so much. That's such a critical point you bring up. Really appreciate that. Uh, thank you, Pat. 
All right. Good God to bless. talk to you guys. Thank you Thanks so much. Thanks for your call. All we're right. about to take a break, and we're going to have someone who is not a believer enter into the discussion in the next segment. This is Interfaith Talk Radio. We'll be right back. University Congregational United Church of Christ, located at 4515 16th Avenue Northeast, right across from the Burke Museum, wants you to know that it is a liberal and inclusive congregation waiting to welcome you to worship, education, fellowship, and service. We need your help to say yes to God's purposes. For more information, log on to universityucc.org. That's universityucc.org. Or call 206-524-2322. That's 206-524-2322. Looking for the perfect way to connect with your children all year long? Give your entire family the gift of heartfelt conversations through the magic of Carla Miller's Seeds of Discovery books. Each Unbound book is a unique interactive experience with simple life lessons for all children and adults. Lighthearted, colorful illustrations attract the attention of children and stimulate interaction with adults. Through titles like I Love Myself When, Why Am I Here, I Know I Can, Yes I Am, I Am, and others. Adults can share creative, fun, meaningful, and long-lasting experiences with their children who will learn about themselves with messages of loving self-image and emotional reinforcement. Love your children by giving your whole family the gift of inspired conversation with Seeds of Discovery books by Carla Miller. Seeds of Discovery books can be found at the Center for Spiritual Living, Island Books, Seattle Unity Church Bookstore, or by going to seedsofdiscovery.com or calling 888-426-1632. That's 888-426-1632. Are you yearning to live a more fully expressed and joyful life? Do you want to explore and discover what ignites your heart? Heart Ignited is a potent coaching process created by Deborah Tracci, a life and transition coaching pioneer. Tune into the Dr. Pat Show to learn more about this unique process. Go to heartignited.com or call 206-236-6100 to learn more. That's heartignited.com or 206-236-6100. Releasing the past and stepping fully into the present is now easier than imagined. Hi, I'm Sue Newfeld Ellis of quantumhealing.us. Dr. Pat and I will be teaming up to give you many powerful ways to open the door to an extraordinary life. Tune in and discover how, starting February 15th. For more information and to receive 25 tips to reduce your stress, visit quantumhealing.us. This station is Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Jamal Rahman and Rabbi Ted Falcon and uh, we are also Pastor Don McKenzie who is listening from home par having participated in the first segment of the show over the telephone as he heals from his surgery and we've been talking about faith as a constructive or a destructive force we're actually beginning a conversation that we are going to be continuing there are several strands of conversations that we're moving in and out of as we continue this to share this uh, dialogue on this radio show with you. One of them now is having to do with constructive and destructive aspects of religious traditions, religiosity, 
faith communities. One of them has to do with the nature of ultimate reality, and so from time to time we focus our attention on the nature of God or the nature of ultimate reality. One of them has to do with the violence, and so from time to time we've been looking with an expert like Ari Cowan about where violence comes from and how we might meet it. We're going to be welcoming onto our show next week a dynamic spiritual teacher in the Seattle area and himself a former fundamentalist, uh, a teacher named Michael Bogar, and deepening this conversation about the nature of religion, the positive benefits, the destructive and negative he, he spoke in our uh, one of our uh, services in uh -huh. our church, Interfaith Community Church. He was really quite dynamic and articulate. Well, so we will look forward to yes. I've not met him yet, and uh, I look forward to meeting him and to having him on the air. In the meantime, in this segment, we thought we would talk with someone who doesn't identify with a specific religious tradition and seems to be getting along relatively well. Uh, he came with the studio. He's our engineer. And that's Eric Ryder. So, Eric, um, as, as you listen to a conversation about faith and mm -hmm. you're uh, kind of sitting in a non-faith perspective, <laughs> what does it bring up in you? Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, I, I grew up uh, Catholic, so I'm pretty familiar with, you know, the spiritual world, the religious world, and at least from a Catholic perspective, I am. Um, so, you know, it, to me, it's, it's interesting to hear the different perspectives, the different takes on uh, that stuff that, uh, you know, that I was raised with. Right, but something happened, and that's not only are you not identified with the Catholic path, but you don't Id identify with any path. And in the past, you have identified yourself as an agnostic. Yeah, I would. I would say that's probably and a sec accurate. I, I suppose you'd say a secularist. Yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah, although that seems like a term that's thrown around by the right wing and you know uh, very conservative Christians as an insult nowadays uh, to folks that you know don't necessarily associate themselves uh, wholeheartedly with a particular religion. So. Yeah, I, I guess it's really important to have. Technically speaking, yeah, but it's second. really important to have the right people look down at you. <laughs> <laughs> if the if the wrong people look up to you and compliment, you know, compliment me, I always get nervous. It's right. like, oh my <laughs> yeah. gosh, I must yeah. be doing something wrong. <laughs> They're not the ones I want to, you know, to be saying that about me. I must not be being very clear. Mm -hmm. But how do you identify? Like when you look at the values, the deeper values, the deeper meanings that you discover in your own life, what do you find? How do you find them? How do I find my values? Well, yeah, okay. Uh, you know, well, I just feel like I was just raised pretty well, you know, and I, I just believe that it's always better for society if people treat each other with respect. So I think if, you, you know, it's... It, it comes back to the golden rule, if you will. But if you you can take that from a religious point of view, like that God said, you know, treat you know each other as you would like to be treated. Or if you just take it from, boy, this really just benefits everybody, uh, you know, regardless of whether there's a God or not. Uh, you know, the golden rule just seems to make sense. So that's what I go for. You know, treat each other with respect. That's what I try to do. So. Okay, so and hope that people do the same for me. You know. And how do you uh, build faith in yourself? Like, you know, that quotation I just gave from Tao Te Ching, uh, which is more of a philosophy that when people lose faith in themselves, that's when they turn to authorities. 
How do you build that faith in yourself? I'm not sure that I do or that I feel like I need to, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I just try and live my life and get on with it. You know? So let's say if you uh, encounter a big problem, uh -huh. people say they pray. What do you do to find not only solace but hope? Hmm. You know, I, I just uh, look at the fact that, to me, uh, the universe seems pretty random, um, just from my perspective, and anything could happen. So, therefore, just because something bad is happening now, that doesn't mean that's going to be the case in a, a day or two, you know? Um, I see people that are, you know, multimillionaires and seem to me to be, you know, the sleaziest kind of people mm -hmm. that there are. Mm -hmm. And people that are, you know, um, walking saints, if you will, that are completely destitute and ill or whatever, you know? Um, so, to me, it just seems like, well, anything could happen, so why necessarily uh you know just think that this is going to be the way it always is uh if you're having a problem so, so you're doing a lot of compassionate self-talk and you're building awareness which really are, are the two keys to spirituality you know from a different perspective yeah but another question i would have for you is you know the other insight by Dao de ching when people lose their sense of awe and wonder mm -hmm. that's when they turn to religion what do you do to build a sense of awe and wonder well uh, again, that's probably something that I don't spend too much time thinking about. But, uh, you know, of course, I'm always awed by, you know, the world itself is amazing. You know, the, the vastness of the universe is amazing. There, you know, there's so much awe and wonder just in everyday life without necessarily looking towards spiritual awe and wonder. Uh, you know, to me, that's that's enough. But, you know, again, not to um, be disrespectful of anybody else. Uh, or their beliefs. Yeah. That's very beautiful. So you're saying, you're, you know, but I would say you would agree. That I think he's very present. I think he's present. I think he's also put himself in a position where every week he comes and he sits in on a conversation between a rabbi, a Muslim minister, and a Christian pastor. And this is his church. Right. It is in a way, yeah. It is. <laughs> it's like he gets to engage in one way or another right. in conversations about uh -huh. the ultimate, the nature of ultimate reality, about the positive and the negative aspects of religion. Well, you know, this show kind of brings up uh, something for me in that, you know, I consider myself agnostic and not an atheist in that I feel like, geez, I can't really be sure. I don't really have all the answers. And when you guys are together and you talk and you come from your individual perspectives, it's like you all seem to have good points and all seem to have good perspectives and be good people. And so it's so hard for me to think, well, geez, you know, Rabbi Ted, he's really got the right uh, idea there by being Jewish. And, and uh, Brother Jamal, you've really got the right idea by uh, being uh, Muslim. And to me, it just seems like, well, geez, they all have kind of good points here and there and some things I don't necessarily agree with. But how could I uh, necessarily just identify with one religion or any religion really that does say we're right and everybody else is wrong right. so <laughs> that's great now one of two things is possible one thing is we're not doing it uh strongly enough to influence <laughs> him in any particular direction try harder and the other possibility is that what we're doing is exactly what we want to do and that is to identify the treasures in our traditions 
that we can teach each other and support each other on our journey to become more Absolutely. fulfilled mm -hmm. and more loving beings. Like I always say, interfaith is not about conversion, it's about completion, becoming a more authentic, complete human being. And and he will we, prototype in Eric. And <laughs> we wish all of you a week of blessing, a week of wholeness, a week of completeness. Support the healing and support the joy. Amen. This is Interfaith Talk Radio, and we'll see you next week.